almost simultaneous motion. Then, as an afterthought, she turned the lock on her door and put the chain bolt in place. Her utilitarian telephone, a plain black model with an old-fashioned dial, startled her with an immediate jangle. She grabbed up the receiver, oddly exasperated. Damn it, nearly, her brother said. I told you to call me when you were through closing up the cafe, so I could come over and walk you home. Don't you read the newspapers? It isn't safe for a woman to be out alone so late at night. Neely calmed down by reminding herself that Ben truly cared about her, except for Danny and her best friend Wendy Browning. He was probably the only person in the world who did. She put away her coat, sat down on her hide-a-bed sofa with a sigh, and quickly kicked off her snow boots. I'm sorry, Ben, she responded, rubbing one sore foot. She frowned, spotting a run in her pantyhose, Even hairspray or nail polish wouldn't stop this one. Yes, it's late, and that's exactly why I didn't call. I knew Danny would be in bed, and I didn't want you to have to leave him alone. She paused, drew in a deep breath, and plunged. Ben, what do you know about Aiden Tremaine, that guy who lives in the mansion down the road? Ben sounded tired. Just that. His name is Aiden Tremaine, and he lives in the mansion down the road. Why? Neely was unaccountably disappointed. She'd wanted some tidbit of information to mull over while she was brushing her teeth and getting ready for bed. I was just wondering, that's all. Danny and I went there on Halloween night. He struck me as sort of... different. I guess you could say he's a recluse. Ben said, barely disguising his indifference. Listen, sweetheart, I'm beat. I'll see you in the morning. Emotion swelled in Neely's throat. She and Ben had more in common than their late parents. He'd lost his wife, Shannon, to cancer a few years before, along with his job in a Pittsburgh steel mill, and he'd been struggling to rebuild his life and Danny's ever since. Neely had been forced to give up an entire way of life, her work, her apartment, her friends, because she knew too much about certain very powerful people. Good night, she said. Neely's trailer consisted of one room, essentially with the fold-out bed at one end and a kitchenette at the other. The bathroom was quite literally the size of the hall closet in her old apartment. Resolving to dwell on what she had, her life, her health, Danny and Ben, instead of what she'd lost, Neely took off her pink uniform and hung it carefully from a curtain rod. After showering, she put on an old flannel nightshirt and dried her hair, Then she heated a serving of vegetable soup on a doll-sized stove and sat in the middle of her lumpy fold-out bed, eating and watching a late-night talk show on the small TV that had once occupied a corner of the kitchen counter of her spacious apartment in Washington. Neely didn't laugh at the host's monologue that night, though she usually enjoyed it. She kept thinking of Aidan Tremaine, wondering who he was and why he'd stirred her the way he had. He was one of the most attractive men she'd ever met, and inwardly she was still reeling from the impact of encountering him unexpectedly as she'd left the cafe, not to mention the way he'd vanished and the time it took to blink. She walked to the edge of the bed on her knees, balancing her empty soup bowl with all the skill of a good waitress, then got up and crossed to the sink. After rinsing out her dish, she returned to the bathroom and brushed her teeth. The thing to do was sleep. She would think about Mr. Tremaine another time when fatigue didn't make her overly fanciful. Aiden was especially ravenous that night, but he did not feed. 
The hunger lent a crystalline sharpness to his thought processes, and as he sat alone in his sumptuous study, with no light but that of the fire on the hearth, he allowed himself to remember a time, a glorious time, when he'd been a man instead of a monster. He closed his eyes and tilted his head back against the high leather chair in which he sat, recalling. Like most mortals, Aiden had not realized what it really meant to have a strong, steady heartbeat, supple lungs that craved air, skin that sweated, and muscles that took orders from a living brain. He had thought with his manhood in those simple days, not his mind. Now he was a husk, an aberration of nature, thanks to his own impetuous nature and unceasing pursuit of a good time. Thanks to Lizette, he was a fiend, able to exist only by the ingestion of human blood. He longed for the peace of death, but feared the possibilities of an afterlife too much to perish willingly. Aiden could-